Section 16 of Omega The Last Days of the World This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Omega The Last Days of the World by Camille Flammarion Epilogue And the angel lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever that there should be time no longer revelations ten six Phi. the earth was dead the other planets also had died one after the other the sun was extinguished but the stars still shone there were still suns and worlds in the measureless duration of eternity time an essentially relative conception is determined by each world and even in each world this conception is dependent upon the consciousness of the individual each world measures its own duration the year of the earth is not that of neptune the latter is one hundred sixty four times the former and yet is not longer relatively to the absolute there is no common measure between time and eternity in empty space there is no time no years no centuries only the possibility of a measurement of time which becomes real the moment a revolving world appears without some periodic motion no conception whatever of time is possible the earth no longer existed nor her celestial companion the little isle of mars nor the beautiful sphere of venus nor the colossal world of jupiter nor the strange universe of saturn which had lost its rings nor the slow-moving uranus and neptune not even the glorious sun in whose fecundating heat these mansions of the heavens had basked for so many centuries the sun was a dark ball the planets also and still this invisible system sped on in the glacial cold of starry space so far as life is concerned all these worlds were dead did not exist they survived their past history like the ruins of the dead cities of assyria which the archaeologist uncovers in the desert moving on their way in darkness through the invisible and the unknown no genius no magician could recall the vanished past when the earth floated bathed in light with its broad green fields waking to the morning sun its rivers winding like long serpents through the verdant meadows its woods alive with the songs of birds its forests filled with deep and mysterious shadows its seas heaving with the tides or roaring in the tempest its mountain slopes furrowed with rushing streams and cascades its gardens enameled with flowers its nests of birds and cradles of children and its toiling population whose activity had transformed it and who lived so joyously a life perpetuated by the delights of an endless love all this happiness seemed eternal what has become of those mornings and evenings of those flowers and those lovers of that light and perfume of those harmonies and joys of those beauties and dreams all is dead has disappeared in the darkness of night the world dead all the planets dead 
the sun extinguished the solar system annihilated time itself suspended time lapses into eternity but eternity remains and time is born again before the existence of the earth throughout an eternity suns and worlds existed peopled with beings like ourselves millions of years before the earth was they were the past of the universe has been as brilliant as the present the future will be as the past the present is of no importance in examining the past history of the earth we might go back to a time when our planet shone in space a veritable sun appearing as jupiter and saturn do now shrouded in a dense atmosphere charged with warm vapors and we might follow all its transformations down to the period of man we have seen that when its heat was entirely dissipated its waters absorbed the aqueous vapor of its atmosphere gone and this atmosphere itself more or less absorbed our planet must have presented the appearance of those great lunar deserts seen through the telescope with certain differences due to the actions of causes peculiar to the earth with its final geographical configurations its dried-up shores and watercourses a planetary corpse a dead and frozen world it still bears however within its bosom an unexpended energy that of its motion of translation about the sun an energy which transformed into heat by the sudden destruction of its motion would suffice to melt it and to reduce it in part to a state of vapor thus inaugurating a new epoch but for an instant only for if this motion of translation were destroyed the earth would fall into the sun and its independent existence would come to an end if suddenly arrested it would move in a straight line toward the sun with an increasing velocity and reach the sun in sixty-five days were its motion gradually arrested it would move in a spiral to be swallowed up at last in the central luminary the entire history of terrestrial life is before our eyes it has its commencement and its end and its duration however many of the centuries which compose it is preceded and followed by eternity is indeed but a single instant lost in eternity for a long time after the earth had ceased to be the abode of life the colossal worlds of jupiter and saturn passing more slowly from their solar to their planetary stage reigned in their turn among the planets with a splendor of a vitality incomparably superior to that of our earth but they also waxed old and descended into the night of the tomb chi had the earth like jupiter for example retained long enough the elements of life death would have come only with the extinction of the sun but the length of the life of a world is proportional to its size and its elements of vitality the solar heat is due to two principal causes the condensation of the original nebula and the fall of meteorites according to the best established calculations of thermodynamics the former has produced a quantity of heat eighteen million times greater 
than that which the sun radiates yearly supposing the original nebula was cold which there is no reason to believe was the case it is therefore certain that the solar temperature produced by this condensation far exceeded the above if condensation continues the radiation of heat may go on for centuries without loss the heat emitted every second is equal to that which would result from the combustion of eleven quadrillions six hundred thousand milliards of tons of coal burning at once the earth intercepts only one five hundred millionth part of the radiant heat and this one five hundredth millionth suffices to maintain all terrestrial life of sixty-seven millions of light and heat rays which the sun radiates into space only one is received and utilized by the planets well to maintain the source of heat it is only necessary that the rate of condensation should be such that the sun's diameter should decrease seventy-seven meters a year or one kilometer in thirteen years this contraction is so gradual that it would be wholly imperceptible nine thousand five hundred years would be required to reduce the diameter by one single second of arc even if the sun be actually in a gaseous state its temperature so far from growing less or even remaining stationary would increase by the very fact of contraction for if on the one hand the temperature of a gaseous body falls when it condenses on the other hand the heat generated by contraction is more than sufficient to prevent a fall in temperature and the amount of heat increases until a liquid state is reached the sun seems to have reached this stage the condensation of the sun whose density is only one-fourth that of the earth may thus of itself maintain for centuries at least for ten million years the light and heat of this brilliant star but we have just spoken of a second source of heat the fall of meteorites one hundred and forty-six million meteorites fall upon the earth yearly a vastly greater number fall into the sun because of its greater attraction if their mass equals about the one hundredth part of the mass of the earth their fall would suffice to maintain the temperature not by their combustion for if the sun itself was being consumed it would not have lasted more than six thousand years but by the sudden transformation of the energy of motion into heat the velocity of impact being six hundred and fifty thousand meters per second so great is the solar attraction if the earth should fall into the sun it would make good for ninety-five years the actual loss of solar energy venus would make good this loss for eighty-four years mercury for seven mars for thirteen jupiter for thirty-two thousand two hundred and fifty-four saturn for nine thousand six hundred and fifty-two uranus for one thousand six hundred and ten and neptune for one thousand eight hundred and ninety years that is to say the fall of all the planets into the sun would produce heat enough to maintain the present rate of expenditure for about forty-six thousand years it is therefore certain 
that the fall of meteors greatly lengthens the life of the sun one thirty-third millionth of the solar mass added each year would compensate for the loss and half of this would be sufficient if we admit that condensation shares equally with the fall of meteorites in the maintenance of solar heat centuries would have to pass before any acceleration of the planet's velocities would be apparent owing to these two causes alone we may therefore admit a future for the sun of at least twenty million years and this period cannot but be increased by other unknown causes to say nothing of an encounter with a swarm of meteorites the sun therefore was the last living member of the system the last animated by the warmth of life but the sun also went out after having so long poured upon his celestial children his vivifying beams the black spots upon his surface increased in number and in extent his brilliant photosphere grew dull and his hitherto dazzling surface became congealed an enormous red ball took the place of the dazzling center of the vanished worlds for a long time this enormous star maintained a high surface temperature and a sort of phosphorescent atmosphere its virgin soil illumined by the light of the stars and by the electric influences which formed a kind of atmosphere gave birth to a marvelous flora to an unknown fauna to beings differing absolutely in organization from those who had succeeded each other upon the worlds of its system but for the sun also the end came and the hour sounded on the timepiece of destiny when the whole solar system was stricken from the book of life and one after another the stars each one of which is a sun a solar system shared the same fate and yet the universe continued to exist as it does today sigh the science of mathematics tells us the solar system does not appear to possess at present more than the one four hundred and fifty-fourth part of the transformable energy which it had in the nebulous state although this remainder constitutes a fund whose magnitude confounds our imagination it will also some day be exhausted later the transformation will be complete for the entire universe resulting in a general equilibrium of temperature and pressure energy will not then be susceptible of transformation this does not mean annihilation a word without meaning nor does it mean the absence of motion properly speaking since the same sum of energy will always exist in the form of atomic motion but the absence of all sensible motion of all differentiation the absolute uniformity of conditions that is to say absolute death such is the present statement of the science of mathematics experiment and observation prove that on the one hand the quantity of matter and on the other hand the quantity of energy also remains constant whatever the change in form or in position but they also show that the universe tends to a state of equilibrium a condition in which its heat will be uniformly distributed the heat of the sun and of all the stars seems to be due to the transformation of their initial energy of motion to molecular impacts the heat 
thus generated is being constantly radiated into space and this radiation will go on until every sun is cooled down to the temperature of space itself if we admit that the sciences of today mechanics physics and mathematics are trustworthy and that the laws which now control the operations of nature and of reason are permanent this must be the fate of the universe far from being eternal the earth on which we live has had a beginning in eternity a hundred million years a thousand million years or centuries are as a day there is an eternity behind us and before us and all apparent duration is but a point a scientific investigation of nature and acquaintance with its laws raises therefore the question already raised by the theologians whether plato zoroaster saint augustine saint thomas aquinas or some young seminarist who has just taken orders what was god doing before the creation of the universe and what will he do after its end or under a less anthropomorphic form since god is unknowable what was the condition of the universe prior to the present order of things and what will it be after this order has passed away note that the question is the same whether we admit a personal god reasoning and acting toward a definite end or whether we deny the existence of any spiritual being and admit only the existence of indestructible atoms and forces representing an invariable sum of energy in the first case why should god an eternal and uncreated power remain inactive or having remained inactive satisfied with the absolute infinity of his nature which nothing could augment why did he change this state and create matter and force the theologian may reply because it was his good pleasure but philosophy is not satisfied with this change in the divine purpose in the second case since the origin of the present condition of things only dates back a certain time and since there can be no effect without a cause we have the right to ask what was the condition of things anterior to the formation of the present universe although energy is indestructible we certainly cannot deny the tendency toward its universal dissipation and this must lead to absolute repose and death for the conclusions of mathematics are irresistible nevertheless we do not concede this why because the universe is not a definite quantity omega it is impossible to conceive of a limit to the extension of matter limitless space the inexhaustible source of the transformation of potential energy into visible motion and thence into heat and other forces confronts us and not a simple finished piece of mechanism running like a clock and stopping forever the future of the universe is its past if the universe were to have had an end this end would have been reached long ago and we should not be here to study this problem it is because our conceptions are finite that things have a beginning and an end 
we cannot conceive of an absolutely endless series of transformations either in the future or in the past nor that an equally endless series of material combinations of planets suns sun systems milky ways stellar universes can succeed each other nevertheless the heavens are there to show us the infinite nor can we comprehend any better the infinity of space or of time yet it is impossible for us to conceive of a limit to either for our thought overleaps the limit and is impotent to conceive of bounds beyond which there is no space nor time one may travel forever in any direction without reaching a boundary and as soon as anyone affirms that at a certain moment duration ceases we refuse our assent for we cannot confound time with the human measures of it these measures are relative and arbitrary but time itself exists like space independently of them suppress everything space and time would still remain and that is to say space which material things may occupy and the possibility of the succession of events if this were not so neither space nor time would be really measurable not even in thought since thought would not exist but it is impossible for the mind even to suppress either the one or the other strictly speaking it is neither space nor time that we are speaking of but infinity and eternity relative to which every measure however great is but a point we do not comprehend or conceive of infinite space or time because we are incapable of it but this incapacity does not invalidate the existence of the absolute in confessing that we do not comprehend infinity we feel it about us and that space as bounded by a wall or any barrier whatever is in itself an absurd idea and we are equally incapable of denying the possibility of the existence at some instant of time of a system of worlds whose motions would measure time without creating it do our clocks create time no they do but measure it in the presence of the absolute our measures of both time and space vanish but the absolute remains we live then in the infinite without doubting it for an instant the hand which holds this pen is composed of eternal and indestructible elements and the atoms which constituted it existed in the solar nebula whence our planet came and will exist forever your lungs breathe your brains think with matter and forces which acted millions of years ago and will act endlessly and this little globule which we inhabit floats not at the center of a limited universe but in the depth of infinity as truly as does the most distant star which the telescope can discover the best definition of the universe ever given to which there was nothing to add is pascal's a sphere whose center is everywhere and circumference nowhere it is this infinity which assures the eternity of the universe 
stars systems myriads milliards universes succeed each other without end in every direction we do not live near a center which does not exist and the earth like the farthest star lies in the fathomless infinite no bounds to space fly in thought in any direction with any velocity for months years centuries forever we shall meet with no limit approach no boundary we shall always remain in the vestibule of the infinite before us no bounds to time live in imagination through future ages add centuries to centuries epic to epic we shall never attain the end we shall always remain in the vestibule of the eternity which opens before us in our little sphere of terrestrial observation we see that through all the transformations of matter and motion the same quantity of each remains though under new forms living beings afford a perpetual illustration of this they are born they grow by appropriating substances from the world without and when they die they break up and restore to nature the elements of which they are composed but by a law whose action never ceases other bodies are constituted from these same elements every star may be likened to an organized being even as regards its internal heat a body is alive so long as respiration and the circulation of the blood makes it possible for the various organs to perform their functions when equilibrium and repose are reached death follows but after death all the substances of which the body was formed are wrought into other beings dissolution is the prelude to recreation analogy leads us to believe that the same is true of the cosmos nothing can be destroyed there is an incommensurable power which we are obliged to recognize as limitless in space and without beginning or end in time and this power is that which persists through all the changes in those sensible appearances under which the universe presents itself to us for this reason there will always be suns and worlds not like ours but still suns and worlds succeeding each other through all eternity and for us this visible universe can only be changing appearance of the absolute and eternal reality alpha it is in virtue of this transcendent law that long after the death of the earth of the giant planets and the central luminary while our old and darkened sun was still speeding through boundless space with its dead worlds on which terrestrial and planetary life had once engaged in the futile struggle for daily existence another extinct sun issuing from the depths of infinity collided obliquely with it and brought it to rest then in the vast night of space from the shock of these two mighty bodies was suddenly kindled a stupendous conflagration and an immense gaseous nebula was formed which trembled for an instant like a flaring flame and then sped on into regions unknown its temperature was several million degrees all which here below had been earth water air minerals plants atoms all which had constituted man his flesh his palpitating heart his flashing eye his armed hand his thinking brain his entrancing beauty 
the victor and the vanquished the executioner and his victim and those inferior souls still wearing the fetters of matter all were changed into fire and so were the worlds of mars venus jupiter saturn and the rest it was the resurrection of visible nature but those superior souls which had acquired immortality continued to live forever in the hierarchy of the invisible psychic universe the conscious existence of mankind had attained an ideal state mankind had passed by transmigration through the worlds to a new life with god and freed from the burdens of matter soared with an endless progress in eternal light the immense gaseous nebula which absorbed all former worlds thus transformed into vapor began to turn upon itself and in the zones of condensation of this primordial star mist new worlds were born as heretofore the earth was and so another universe began whose genesis some future moses and laplace would tell a new creation extraterrestrial superhuman inexhaustible resembling neither the earth nor mars nor saturn nor the sun and new humanities arose new civilizations new vanities another babylon another thebes another athens another rome another paris new palaces temples glories and loves and all these things possessed nothing of the earth whose very memory had passed away like a shadow and these universes passed away in their turn but infinite space remained peopled with worlds and stars and souls and suns and time went on forever for there can be neither end nor beginning end of epilogue and end of omega the last days of the world by camille flammarion